Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. If you would like some more information about us, please visit adventurechurch.co.za. We hope that you will enjoy today's message. Welcome, guys. And it's been an eventful morning, so uh, forgive me, my head's a little bit all over the place, but it's been good. And this morning, I want to carry on speaking about prayer. So I spoke a little bit about prayer and speaking blessing over people last week. And we went through the Lord's Prayer and what does that mean? And and how does that help us position ourselves in a place of prayer so that we we recognize that we are speaking to the most majestic God. Like he's just unbelievable. Yet we actually come as his children. And I think to hold that revelation intention is what really qualifies prayer as such a pertinent thing. And I've been thinking a lot about prayer and the fact that sometimes prayer seems like it doesn't work. Some, like we ask ourselves, what's the point? If God is all-knowing and all-powerful, what's the point of praying to a God like that where he holds the outcome in his hands anyway? And I was having a chat with Kayla last night and Uh, Her and I had very differing views on how something had to play out. And she would say to me, but dad, you're not listening to me. And I say, my girl, I'm listening to you. But that's not what's going to happen because this is what's going to happen. And it had to do with setting up for this morning. And I wanted them to do it last night. And she's saying, no, no, we've got to do it tomorrow morning. It's better. And, And I had this discussion and thinking, It's important that she was willing to speak to me. It was important that she was willing to present her request to me, even though that request did not align with my will in how I wanted things to happen. So therefore, what happened was something different to what she had had requested. But prayer is engaging with God. And we get to speak to Him. We get to speak to Him. We get to enjoy those moments. And I thought to myself, I would hate for her never to ask me another question because I did not permit permit that request. Because in that moment, I had a differing will to hers that that would cause her to say, I'm never going to ask my dad anything ever again. Because he's the authority in our home, it's his will anyway. So therefore, what do I do? But a couple of days earlier, she was walking and she had two chomps and she said to me, Dad, can we have a chomp? And I said, yeah, of course. And she went, really? It was a strange time of the morning. It was probably outside. Normally I would have said no. For some reason in that moment, I said yes. And there was a little bit of a a kind of a take back when I said yes. But then there's the smile rose on her face and she was incredibly joyful. And again, I was reminded of the fact that in that moment, it was in accordance with my will that she had it. But she needed to ask in order for it to happen. And, and as I've been kind of pondering through this, this is some of the things that have just kind of spurred up in my own heart with regards to prayer and the significance of it. And the fact that first and foremost, prayer is positioning ourselves in the presence of God. And we enter through a place of relationship. As I was saying last week, when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he says, our father. So what does he do is he establishes God as father, but he establishes himself as son so that he sets the tone for the relationship and sets the tone of the conversation that is taking place. And prayer is two-way communication. So not only is it us speaking to God, but it's waiting on him to speak to us. I was saying this morning that I heard um, the interview with Drikas Duplessis after he won the UFC this morning, and he made a statement. He said, 
if they said, what, how, what do you think this means to South Africa? He says, I can't answer that, but I tell you, if the stadium quietened down, I'm telling you now, you will hear them from here. And they're in, in, um, in Toronto. And something of that struck me where we allow the noise of the world around us often to drown out the voice of God in our lives. But if we could just let this stuff settle, be still and know that I am God. If we just let it settle, we would get to hear him. When Elijah was in the cleft of the rock and, and the, the fire came and the earthquake came, God wasn't in the noise. It was when he heard the gentleness of his whisper that he walked outside and said, yes, Lord. And again, in, in this two-way communication of prayer, we've got to allow the noise of the world to settle down. I was listening to a message on our thoughts and our minds this week and how the enemy often places thoughts in our, in our heads, which is not the truth, but they're disguised as a virtuous truth. And, and that's why it's easy to believe him, because the lies aren't blatant. And the statement that was made is, if we believe a lie to be true, we spend so much energy trying to convince others to believe it too. Which, well, that's a powerful, powerful statement. And we've got to make sure that when this stuff happens, we've got to get back into the truth of the word. So this morning, I'm going to share a lot of scripture. And I'm going to use it as examples of what does prayer look like? We, we've got a, a myriad of different types of prayers, whether we're interceding for someone, whether we're having a corporate prayer meeting. I even look at the outworking of this morning and being able to interject where they got attacked by, by the dogs. It, it came off the back of us walking back from prayer meeting. So it's funny that it was actually through gathering for prayer that we were positioned in the right place to be there to, to bring stability. As our, our worship is on. Thank you, Lord, for power. Um, but it was, it was actually as a byproduct of the prayer meeting, and it had nothing to do with the prayers that we were praying. But even there, we happened to be positioned in the right place at the right time because of what God was doing in and through us for the advancement of his kingdom. And not only do we pray, but the Holy Spirit and Jesus intercede on our behalf as well. And in Romans 8, verse 26 to 39, it's a large portion of scripture, but bear with me as I just share some of the little points that come out of this. But it says here, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Like, do we understand the significance of that statement? That in our times of weakness, there's moments when we go, I do not have the words. I actually don't know what to pray. But here it says, in that time, the, the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, intercedes on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. He intercedes at a point that is beyond words. And, and it's in that that he does it according to the will of God. So not only are we praying, but the Spirit prays on our behalf as well, interceding for things to happen in the way that they should. And it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his good purpose. This is one of those coffee cup scriptures. It's a, it's, a, it's a good coffee cup scripture, but it's one of those scriptures where we often take in isolation. We sit on a coffee cup and it's like, God turns all things to the good of those who love him. Yes, he does. He turns all things to the good of those who are loving and are called according to his 
goodwill and purpose, which means that this actually is linked to the purposes of God. So he transforms it in accordance with his plans and his purposes. But this comes off the back of the fact that the Spirit is interceding on our behalf. And it's that that actually establishes the significance of God turning all things to the good of those who love him. So it's not just that it just happens. It happens with the Holy Spirit that is interceding on our behalf so that in the midst of this thing going wrong, he intercedes for it to come and realign with the will of God on our behalf so that we get to see that he turns all things to the good of those who love him. Doesn't mean that all things go like just well and easy. No, they, there's things that happen, but he aligns it back to the purposes of him. And, and it's in that that we get to, st to rest assured. So we had coffee with a guy this week, uh, John and I. And, and he was talking about Jesus being on the boat. And he says, there must have been such an assurance in the heart of Jesus in the midst of the storm for him to, to sleep through the storm. And it was because he had an assurance in the will of the Father. And, and this for me is when we have an assurance in the will of the Father, we know that he turns all things to the good of those who love him. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers. It's amazing how Jesus refers to us as brothers. Again, it's the same passage of scripture where it says we co-heirs with Christ. There's the sharing of this birthright with us. So when he says our father, we get to say our father. We get to operate in his image. And here it's saying that it's actually the will of God that we get conformed in his image. It says, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So going again through the, the tenses of salvation that we are justified by faith, which is the day we are saved. We are being sanctified, which is we are being saved. And one day we will be glorified. And that is one day we will be saved. The three tenses of salvation that, that is being referred to here. And in verse 31, it says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So again, the tone is set by the, the Spirit interceding on our behalf. And here it says there, if God is for us, who can be against us? Because we know that God is not only for us, but God is actively invested in the outworking of our lives in accordance with his will. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also uh, with him graciously give us all things? Now, this is not just giving us all things for anything, but again, this is linked to the purpose of God. So he will give us all things that we require to fulfill the purpose that he has over us here. Who shall bring any chance, uh, charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of, of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You see how this, this tapestry is brought together where you've got the Holy Spirit interceding for us and Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and what's he doing? Interceding for us. And, and if that's the standard that they set, my question to us is how much should we then be interceding for those around us, contending on their behalf, contending for the, the, the things of the enemy not to, to, to have victory in their lives? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 
As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. So we are facing opposition. We are facing trials. We are in a place where we are facing massive opposition. Old Brian today, when he was walking his dog, did not perceive <laughs> what was about to unfold. And out of nowhere, he has this attack that comes on him. But it's amazing that there's people positioned around to mitigate the effects of the attack. And here we are in a spiritual sense. If you read Ephesians 6, it talks about the fact that we no longer fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against powers and principalities. We walk around and the reality is we are being sent or regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But we, what we do know is that in the midst of those times, God is there. He is evidence. And no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Even his interceding is an act of love on our behalf that he gets to demonstrate so that we can imitate. It says, no, in all things, we are more than conquer conquerors through him who loved us. In all things. In every single circumstance, we are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We didn't just make it. The Springboks have a tendency of playing big matches and winning by one point. I mean, three games in a row in the World Cup. One point, one point, one point. They, they just made it. And he's saying, no, 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 no. You guys are more than conquerors. The, the match isn't that tight. You're actually going to see a greater victory come through. It says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's nothing that can separate us from him. And in that love, in that place, established in that relationship, we are more than conquerors, although in this earth, we are perceived as sheep to be slaughtered. We are more than conquerors in it. And this sums up for me so much of why we pray. Because what we're doing is we're speaking into that relationship. We're contending in that relationship. 1 John 5 verse uh, 13 to 15. And it says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that the request that we have, we know that we have the request of him. That we so what he's saying is when we pray in accordance with his will, he grants us that and we have what, what he wants. In the same way that where Kayla says to me, dad, can I have this chomp? And I say, of course, my babe. Oh, that's amazing. She asked in accordance with my will. So therefore, in accordance with my will, she received what she had asked for because I'd heard her. It's such a beautiful picture. And I think parenting often reveals so much of the heart of God. But there are moments when I say to her, no. There are moments when I say, actually, that's not going to happen. And even Jesus himself was subject to the no of the Father. And he submitted himself to the no of the Father. Matthew 6, I mean, Matthew 26, verse 36 to 46. The heading is Jesus praising Gethsemane. And it says there, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I'll go over there and pray. I'll, I'll make a statement for all of us, but I'm going to appeal as a guide to the, the, the men here. We've got to make time available for us as men to go into quiet places and pray together. And ladies, you've got to do the same. But there's something about Jesus taking the three with him. 
to go. And, and if you look at his back and forth between them, he was desperate for them to contend on his behalf for what was taking place. And we've got to build those kinds of bonds here that we have that support in our times of need. And it says, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. We need people who are close to us that we can be vulnerable in our tough times. Who we can say, I'm taking strain here. I, I, I'll give up in this. I was listening to a message the other day and it spoke about getting to the place of quitting so that you can recognize you don't have what it takes and God can do what God does. And he's saying, if we recognize that in the giving up, we're giving it to God, it's actually good and it's healthy and it gives us an opportunity to recalibrate so that we can move forward. And this is one of those moments for Jesus. And he, and he says, and going a little farther, some of the, the um, other references, so it says he's going a stone's throw away. So just there, he went away. It says, going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father. Amazing how Jesus again establishes himself in his identity of the first words that come out of his mouth. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So this is, in this moment, I would love this cup to pass from me. But I'm submitting myself not to my will, but to your will. And he, and he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me for one hour? Guys, let's be, let's be faithful in the lives of those around us. And when they come and ask for support, let us be faithful in offering them support. He said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We will face times when our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And in those moments, are we falling to our knees? Are we falling on our face before the Father? And allowing that moment to bring us a sense of comfort. It says again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. So now is no longer the time to sleep. He says, see, the, hand, the, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Can you see the shift in the attitude of Jesus from the time he starts praying to the time he leaves and the answer to his prayer was contrary to what he had prayed. He had been praying, if you can take this cup from me, but how does he leave? He leaves with the renewed sense of vigor and capacity and a readiness to face the challenge that is before him. His, his prayer was not answered in accordance with what he wanted. But it was answered in accordance with what he needed and what the kingdom needed. And for me, the, sometimes the no is best for us and sometimes the no is best for his kingdom. 
So the no is not always the thing that we feel is best for us in that moment. But sometimes the no is best for what he needs us for in his kingdom. And the gracious love of God gives us everything we need to walk through that no. And he gives us the energy, the capacity and the equipping to do that. And we've got to be surrendered. So when we pray, we can present our request to God because we are fellowshipping. And there's times when Kayla's asked me for a chomp and I've said no. But there's times when she's asked me for a chomp and I've said yes. If she stopped asking me at the no, she would never have received the yes. But we continue to be faithful in relationship because the purpose of prayer is speaking relationship. It is, it is establishing fund, uh, relationship. It is contending for relationship. And out of that place, we grow in greater intimacy to God. We become a direction of who he is and we are strengthened and equipped for the, the work that he has in store for us. Acts 4, 23 to 31 says, and when they were released, they went uh, to their friends. It says uh, the guys getting arrested in Acts 4. And it says, and when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together and said, sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth. Here again, the sovereign Lord, it's the, in, in, in submitting to the sovereignty of God, they are aligning what they're saying to the will of God. And if we go back to 1 John 5, we know when we pray in accordance with his will, he hears us. And we know when he hears us, we've received what we've asked for. So they say, sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Establishing the bigness of God bigger than the circumstances they face. So Lord, I know that you spoke all of these things into creation. And if you spoke all of these things into creation, what I bring to you now is less than that. It says, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, what did the, gen did the Gentiles rage? And the people plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentile and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had, excuse me, had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your service to continue to speak your word with all boldness. It's amazing that they did not contend for the persecution to stop. They contended for their boldness to increase. It says, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So it's not... Lord, make my life easy as Lord, give me the capacity to walk in the fullness of what you've called me to, in spite of the fact that we know that it will be hard. In verse 31, it says, and when they had prayed, so it's a corporate prayer meeting, when they had pr prayed, the place in which they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is one of those requests where they prayed in accordance with his will. And what happened? They prayed for boldness. And what did they get? Boldness. It's amazing how, how that operates. But they come away with a, a renewed sense of boldness. And they take this gospel message even further and did greater things. Philippians 4 verse 4 to 9 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And, and the key to the scripture comes in the next 
few words. And again, it's a part of this passage of scripture that we love to omit when we quote it because we normally quote it from verse 6. But this, the last portion of verse 5 for me is the key to the unlocking of the scripture. And it says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Some, some translations say by prayer and petition. So that means like it's contending for. So it's something of a continuous prayer or a continually going back and contending for. So it says by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So often what, what happens, and I find for myself, is I keep pre presenting my requests, but it's very seldom linked to thanksgiving of actually, Lord, you're a gracious God and the number of times that you've responded and we've seen your hand in it thank you Lord but this is saying so you continue to come but when you come come with an attitude of thanksgiving it says let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus the greatest attack on prayer and our prayer life is a hope deferred, so it's our hearts, and it's believing the lies of the enemy, so it's our minds. So we start to become despondent in praying, and what happens is, actually we become ineffective in our prayer life. But here he's saying that when you do this well, what happens is the peace of God comes within you, and it guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, to a point that is beyond understanding. And then it goes on to say, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and have heard and in seen in me, practice these things and, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, first of all, I would love to be able to say to people, so, you know, like anything is pretty awesome and praiseworthy, like, like think about these things and, and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, like practice these things and the, and the God of peace will be with you. And it might seem conceited, but what, what's being said here is actually, I've seen the outworking of pressing in re with relationship with God. And if there's anything in my life that is worthy to be imitated, recognize that it is pressing in with God. And, and what, what Paul's actually saying here is learn how to meditate. And, and the word meditate has a, a strange connotation in this world because we, we live in a society where meditation has become this big thing. But there's a key difference between biblical meditation and earthly meditation. And earthly meditation is your desire is to empty your mind and leave it with nothingness. And I want to get rid of everything. Biblical meditation is to fill your mind with the things of God. So in the book of Ezra, um, I can't remember exactly where it is, it says, meditate on my word day and night. So what are you filling yourself up with? Here it's saying, well, actually, whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So as a byproduct of this prayer life that we have, we meditate on the things of God and allow that to fill us because the moment it fills us, that's what comes out of us. Now, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what are we filling ourselves with is honorable things. 
But again, this scripture is founded in a prayer life. But it, it, it comes off the back of recognizing God is at hand. God is busy working. God is busy doing what he is doing. And if we understand that, then we align what we do to what's happening. So I heard someone once say, don't ask God to bless what you're doing. Ask what he's doing so that you can align yourself to that because he's already blessed what he's doing. So we go and we align ourselves with the things of God. Chatting to Emmanuel this week, and he was quoting a um, a guy that had preached last week at the church that they are part of in Cape Town. And the statement was, "If your prayers of answered are answered, would it change your world or would it change the world?" And that that statement really struck me because it also means what is the significance of what we're praying? What are we contending for? Are we contending for our earthly needs and comforts? Or are we recognizing that we've been placed here as a conduit to usher what happens in heaven down here on earth? And if that's the case, our prayers need to be aligned with that plan and that purpose, which is linked to the Great Commission so that we see God doing that. Now, I'm not saying that we don't pray for things and I'm not saying we don't pray for ourselves and I'm not saying that we don't lift ourselves up, but we need a bigness in the scope of what we're praying as well. And it's an outward focus. It's not just all about me. If we want something that's all about me, we go to a self-help place and let them tell you how amazing you are and 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 that's cool but God hasn't placed us here for it to be all about me he's actually placed us here to be all about them because when he said for God so loved the world he didn't say for God so loved the individual in the world does he yes but his focus was out there his focus was the people around him, the community, the families, the, the people who we, we meet and we think, oh, I've, got to, I've got to contend for these people. Um, do we have a sincere love and compassion for those around us? Do we have a heart for an unbelieving world? And are we praying to God on behalf of that? Lord, what is my, my role in this? Um, I've been reading a book and I've been reading it in bits and pieces over the last probably seven or eight years and I'm probably two-thirds of the way through but every now and then I'll go read a chapter or two and the one statement was don't wake up in the morning and say Lord if you need me I'm here but wake up in the morning and say Lord I know that you have plans for me what are those plans for today so let's be intentional about questioning this so I want to end off with that but we need to be a people who learn to pray alone and go into the stillness of our and and in our weakness allow the holy spirit to intercede on our behalf we need to settle the noise we need to be a people that learn to pray in small intimate groups uh, for me one of the the greatest gifts that i've found in a wife is the number of times she wakes me up in the middle of the night because she's awake and i can feel her laying hands on me she's praying over me and and, I, and and she doesn't know how to pray quietly so i, I often hear audibly what she's praying over me Lord, give him wisdom to lead us. Continue to give him favor in, 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 in what he's busy with. Um, protect him. Lord, settle his heart. Lord, I pray against stress in his life. I pray against anxiety. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to him. I pray that you'll give him vision. I pray that you'll give him strategy. These are the things that I'm hearing spoken over my life. So not only is God hearing it, I'm hearing it, I'm encouraged. But, but, but that's amazing. But we need to be a people who get into a close proximity with one another and, and we get to pray together and we get to lift one another up. And, and in our moments when we are a stone's throw away, that we've got people who aren't falling asleep at that time, but are sitting with us contending 
because they know that this is my moment to support this person, to be invested in what's happening. We need to be a people who pray corporately, and that's why we're doing our corporate prayer and fasting time, because we're trusting for breakthrough corporately as a church. We want to see the, the manifest presence of God do amazing things here. We want to be a people who recognize revival in our own lives and lead people into that revival. So how do we do that? We pray. A guy by the name of Ken Grenfell, who leads a church in America, South African guy, just before, it's the end of 2019, he had a prophetic dream one night, and he woke up, and he's... The dream was he was driving a vehicle to a prayer meeting and it was an NCMI prayer meeting. He was driving, he had a group of people in the car. It was a quite a big like bus thing and he got there and he parked the car, he turned around and he realized he had left his Bible in the car and he went back and the, and the, the vehicle had been stolen. And he thought, oh, my Bible and all my notes. And as he was walking back towards the prayer meeting, there in the gutter lay his Bible. And he said, I don't know what it means, but I feel like the, the vehicle represented the church and that's going to get stolen. And we are going to be left with nothing else but the word and prayer. And even my notes were taken from me, but it was just word and prayer. This was heading into the COVID time. Now, unbeknown to him, he was not uh, predicting COVID, but God was preparing something for the church to sustain itself through COVID because the vehicle of the church was removed. But what were we left with? prayer and we were left with the word for us as adventure church it was in the midst of the riots when we were isolated and locked in this estate that we started a prayer meeting down by the dam and sharon you'll remember that well because it was off the back of that that we had our first sunday meeting for adventure church it started off as this corporate prayer meeting in the midst of chaos and it was amazing because we had people from all different churches around and they came and they supported and they prayed and it was a massively unified moment. But Adventure Church was planted off on the back of that, of that moment. So we're going to be a people that pray together and contend for one another and, and lift each other up. And, and my request of us, if someone says, will you pray for me? Let us not just send a set of praying hands and say yes and forget about it, but let us actively contend even if you have to send a voice note with the prayer over the person so that they hear what you've prayed over them, that they hear that you've been contending on their behalf and praying for them because we need to be a praying people and we need to recognize the significance of the God that we're praying to, that the identity that we have in our prayer and the fact that there is power in prayer. And... So Lord, I thank you, Father, for us as a group. And I pray that the revelation of prayer will settle in our hearts, Lord. And I pray that we will establish good prayer routines and habits, not religious lawful habits, but, but solid relationship habits. As we engage with you, King, I pray, Lord, that we will learn to speak, but Lord, that we will learn to listen. I pray that we will wait on you for a response. We will wait to hear what you have to say. Lord, I pray that we will desire to know your business. Your word says in John 15 that my friends know my business and I no longer call you slaves. I now call you friends. So Lord, I pray that we will know what's going on. I pray that you will speak to us. I pray that you will burden us with, with people that we may lift them up in times of challenge, in times of need. I pray that we will contend on behalf of the hurting and the broken. Lord, I pray that those who do not know you, that we will pray for opportunity to not only speak your word, 
but Lord, for others to meet with them as well, Lord, for divine encounters. And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Bless us, Lord Jesus, I pray. Establish us in this place, Father, and may you be glorified in everything that we do. May it be deflected to you, and may people have a revelation of your goodness and your grace. And I pray for people that don't know you, that they will come to a place of crying out, Our Father, recognizing that they have a new identity in you. In Jesus' name, amen.